0: Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us.
2: What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires
0: downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. On the fake. Rogers lets it fly. Has Watson. He's good.
2: young receiver's career from Christian Watson. You can see him. It's just press, man. They talk about his speed, his ability to get behind the defense. It's just a matter of can he catch it. That's a great job tracking the ball. He just took a big sigh of relief. Look at his his buddies greeting him on the sideline, man. That's got to feel good.
1: What's up, guys? Welcome to Packers Total Access. My name is Clayton. You can check us out on Packernet.com. You can find me on Twitter at Packers underscore access. If you'd like to email the show, you can send a message to access at gmail.com. Also, we've got our text line up and running. If you'd like to text the show, you can send a text to 865-658-5824. Again, that's 865-658-5824. Five eight two four, And we've got a special guest on the line with us today uh, for tonight's podcast, I should say. We're getting this out a little bit late to you guys, but the reason being is we were trying to wait around. I'm sure like you were, Jake, wondering, uh, you know, is Aaron Rodgers going to make a decision today or not? You know, if we've been on Aaron Rodgers' watch for what seems like a couple of decades now, but it is what it is. So. <laughs> but I uh, just want to thank you for coming on. We've got Jake Chivink on with us. You can find him on Twitter at Jake NFL draft and obviously he's the host of the awesome it's all it, it's always draft season podcast I always screw that up here on the Packernet podcast network. So Jake man, I know you were busy this time of year being the draft expert for the Packernet podcast uh network here, but how are you doing, man?
2: I'm doing great. Uh we are officially like Draft season's underway, but we're officially on, like, you know, height, weight, watch, all that good stuff with a combine coming up. I know the big, obviously, thing is, like, Bryce Young. Everybody's waiting on – Packer <laughs> fans are waiting on Rodgers, quarterback, draft, fans, analysts, everything is waiting on to see if Bryce Young is, like, 5'10", 188. That's where we're at in the process, but it's it's a blast. It's a great time of year.
1: Absolutely. Wondering if he had a couple extra hot dogs, a couple chili dogs, right there at the end to put on a little weight. It's funny, man. Hey, let's just jump into that. And it, we're already off script. This is going to be a disaster. <laughs> but Bryce Young, he is hands down my my best uh, quarterback prospect on my board. And and granted, Jake, I, I'm probably a little bit different from you. I don't scout the uh, the players. I, I take a, a compilation of basic uh, information and people that I trust that's been around the game for a long time compile all that information, all that data, and come up with my board. But when it comes to Bryce Young, to me, he seems like he's the hands-down best quarterback in this draft. But everybody always throws that caveat in of, is he too small to play in the league? And the first thing I always think of is Devonta Smith, right, with Philly, the wide receiver. That seems to be the direct correlation. But tell me, How do you feel about Bryce Young, and is he your top quarterback at this stage? And understand, everybody listening to the pod, we're still a little early in the process here. The boards are going to change a little bit as we go through the combine and all that, but as it sits right now, you'll be getting the information in real time, tonight. Uh, How do you feel about Bryce Young,
2: man? He's awesome. Uh, (laughs) Phenomenal football player. Easily the best playing the position of any of the quarterbacks in the draft. Like, he is – just as his game feel is phenomenal, like, in terms of, like, hey, I – you know, I see something pre-snap. I got to make an adjustment, whether it be, you know, the play itself, whether it be a protection, right? Like he is so in tuned with what the defense is doing, where the offense needs to be, where his line needs to be, where his receivers need to be like all that pre-snap throws with incredible anticipation, right? Like, and, and then he's like this, this maestro off script. Like he is the true scrambler. He's got like big time friend targeted vibes with his abilities to scramble just run around by time as much as you can, but he's again, a precision thrower as well, whether it be within the pocket on the run, he knows how to navigate the pocket. So like everything he does is phenomenal. So it's just like, okay, at, you know, whatever it is, 188 pounds, can you sustain hits for a 10 year career? That's it. If, if Bryce young was six, two and (laughs) two-ten, even if that's on the light side, who cares? He would be, he'd probably be on like, he would legitimately, I think, be on a Trevor Lawrence level of a, of a prospect a Justin Fields level of a prospect, right? Like some of these guys the last few years, but it's just the dang like, okay, can you survive long enough the longevity? Is it going to happen for him? Because he plays a position at just an unbelievable level. Yeah. Absolutely. And, you know, when you get a small frame like that, the thing that comes into my mind,
1: too, is, you know, when you're being drafted that high, let's say he is the number one pick, you're going to go to a team who's pretty bad, probably doesn't have a stout offensive line. I mean, you're you're going to get beat up. And I, I think of some of the quarterbacks that were supposed to be great. You know, David Carr back in the day got absolutely annihilated in the pocket. Um, I'm a Kentucky fan growing up, right? Um, Tim Couch back in the day, everybody was like, oh, yeah, he's, he's going to be a perfect NFL prospect. He got beat to death, man. So, yeah, it's something I'm worried about. And, and you talking about him being able to move in the pocket, and and scrambling ability it's what Greg Cosell talked about the other day on the Ross Tucker podcast he was like man um yeah he's small and and can he take the beating but the thing you got to understand is is how this kid moves in the pocket and how fluid he is just like everything you just said he he always looks comfortable he's he's running away from defenders out of the pocket but he never looks like he's in a hurry It's, it's pretty remarkable but um good stuff man let's do this uh if you, if you and I sit here and talk about potential <clears throat> quarterback draft prospects for the Packers, we are not going to make it out alive, okay? We're going to get roasted. <laughs> I've already dabbled in it a bit, and it is hilarious, Jake, hearing people's responses. Oh, I love it. Um, with that being said – Let's talk about some of the positions that maybe Packer fans wouldn't be so irate if we took, right? <laughs> so let's start with offensive tackle. And the reason I start here, Jake, me personally, I feel like offensive tackle and quarterback are the, what I would consider tier one positions on the offensive side of the ball, the most important. And we all know the Packers would love to plug and play a right tackle. Uh, there, coming straight out of the draft. We all love Zach Tom. We think he's got a lot of potential, but with that being said, Who are your top three offensive tackles, how your board sits right now? Who who are the top three that come to mind for you?
2: So top three right now, um, it's going to be pretty standard because I do think the top three are in kind of their own tier at the moment. I think there's a fourth guy at tackle who is in his own second tier, and then I think there's a bigger group behind that. For me, the tackle one right now is Paris Johnson Jr. from Ohio State. I have Peter Skaronsky at two. I still think he can play tackle. I know we'll get into that maybe a little bit as well. But And then I have Broderick Jones at three.
1: Nice, nice. So we're we're very close to the same there. Um, I have Skaronsky as the top tackle. He's number eight overall on my board, and he's in what I would consider tier three. My tiers are much different than most uh, scouts, draft experts, things like that. I, I break it down a little bit. Uh, I don't know, a little more detail I guess you could say, but I've got Skaronsky at number eight in tier three, and then I've got Paris Johnson at number ten in tier three. And then you gotta go down one tier to get to uh, Jones at uh, number seventeen overall on the board. So we are very, very close there. I would I kind of see Skoronsky and Johnson as you know, you can't go wrong with either of those guys, right?
2: Yeah, I think I think it's and, and it's one of the toughest, I think parts about like grading and like is is projection. Right well, we we I think we know what Peter Skoransky is. But mm-hmm. He's just darn good at playing the position like in terms of like leverage hand strikes, you know, how tight his hands are, like technique and balance and power, the ability to drop anchor like he's not letting you he's not letting you beat him inside, right? His hesitation moves are not beating him. Like winning around the edges is maybe how you can get him cuz he's not the most like phenomenally quick athlete, but even still when you have control with those like outside inside arms like he has it really doesn't matter how you attack him. You're probably not going to win. And he did really well last year against two guys who, well, I guess both Michigan guys I'll say instead, but Aiden Hutchinson, who was obviously number two overall pick. And then David Ojabo, who probably would have been a top 15 pick if he didn't, you know, suffer an injury in the, in the draft process. So he, he locked those guys down. He's been locking up the top big 10 pass rushers for, for a few years now. Like he is great. Paris Johnson athletically. Taps into like an upside that him and him and Jones, and we'll talk about Jones, I imagine, as well. But like his ability to recover with footwork is tremendous. Like you you can see him, and he this is where the issues start, is where you can he can get out of position, right? With oversets and and a little bit of stuff, like where he he wants to get to a certain spot every single time. And that's not how it's gonna work in the league. Like you're gonna have to, you know, different sets, you're gonna have to set wide, you're gonna have to set vertical, you have to set 45. Like there's different angles you're gonna have to take for rushers but he can recover because he's got such quick feet right he's, he's so agile and that type of player in an offense where you know you're looking at like you know let's let's take the Packers for example right an offense that you know we they like zone they obviously have have power in the bag as well because LeFleur has right. really masterfully designed a run game over the last couple of years but when you know you're asking your tackle the reach block when you're asking me the second level like he is really good in that that linear explosiveness, those quicks, that that billion space. He's so good in that aspect that where you're like, oh boy, if we're gonna run more zone, if we're gonna you know get back to a little bit more of that, oh man, Paris Johnson is great. So it's it's kind of I think flavor. It's like if you want the floor that Skaronski gives you, it's a tremendous floor. If you want like almost that with an extra upside grade in there, I think that's Paris Johnson. Got it. Good
1: stuff, man. Good stuff. And uh with Broderick Jones, he's the one, he's the one tackle that seems to always be there when I run a mock draft, right? And uh h- how do you feel? I mean, I-, I feel pretty comfortable if the Packers were to take him at 15. He's my 17th overall prospect, but I
2: would feel good about that, would you? Yeah, I think so. I think I think Broderick Jones is still I think learning how to use his levers, learning how to use strength, learning that yeah, you can drop anchor a little bit cuz I feel like he doesn't do that he's just so big and so long and enormous that he can kind of just absorb guys without that ankle flexion, without dropping the hips, right? Like he can still do that, but boy, run blocking, space blocking. He is a nightmare. When George is like running tunnel screens, he's out there like, all right, which second or third level defender am I smashing two bits? Like he is an assassin out there when he gets into space. So like athletically, I think, well, cause we're going to talk about this too, but like, uh, you know, in, in the coming days with, with, you know, the pod as well. I'm sure yeah. Friday we will. The, the old lineman, I think are our Sunday, his numbers at the combine are going to be absurd. Like <laughs> I, I know a guy who worked uh, where I did and currently still do for a couple of years. He's, n- he is now firmly in like the Georgia program and everything. He has talked this, uh, this guy up is like, yeah, if, if you're looking for like that Jordan Davis, Devontae Wyatt tester from the Georgia program this year, it's Broderick Jones. Wow. And like, I, I, I think he's, he said he's like, you're not ready for what this guy's going to run, what this guy's going to jump, how quick he is. like, And that all shows up. So like he he's another guy like Paris Johnson where if he gets out of position, he can recover. And it looks like he's teleporting at times. Yeah. Like he is that good there. It's just when he's engaged, he can get the shoulders out of position, right? He's dipping a little bit, whether it be forward, whether it be the side. And that's where against you know higher level rushers, that technique is not going to fly. But the Packers love doing this, right, at, at wherever they draft. They're like, oh, wow, athletically, look at this upside that we can give him. And, like, I think this guy could be a phenomenal pass protector in a couple of years. Perfect. We'll draft him. We'll get him in the building. Right? We still have Bakhtiari. And, you know, whenever Bakhtiari's done, he's sliding right in. And, and Man, that's we'll cook amazing. With gas. Cook with yeah, gas. And, and it
1: really takes some pressure off of Zach Tom to develop another year or two if you go that route, right? So yeah. if you do slide – Uh, whether it's Jones, Johnson Skaronsky, whoever two left tackle when Bach leaves, then you plug and play Zach Tom and you're off to the races. That's good stuff, man. Good stuff. All right, let's move on to another tier one position this time on the defensive side of the ball. And that's the edge position here. Um, You know, I didn't talk about the edge position all year long when I was thinking in the upcoming draft. The, the position I talked about was safety a lot, and we're going to talk about that here in a second. Um, also, wide receiver. Man, if we had another, someone who could stretch the field opposite Christian Watson, we would be on par, right? Um, but when it comes to the edge position, it's like you can't have too many edge defenders. You know, we went out, we signed Preston Smith, we signed Zadarius Smith, and what did they do? They drafted Rashawn Gary. Could you imagine, Jake, if they had passed up on Rashawn Gary now, how, how, how much trouble that defense would have been in, you know? So when we look at the top edge defenders in this draft three come to
2: mind for me, um, who do you see as the top three edge defenders in this year's draft? So I think we're going to differ a little bit. I think I'm going to have, I I think I've seen the board at least a little bit of what you've, what you've done to this point. Mm-hmm. So for me, I uh, will Anderson's the clear cut number one, uh, at edge. I've Tyree Wilson second. Then I actually have B.J. Jalari at three. Oh, nice. And it's gonna be a different flavor, but I'm I'm sure we'll dive into that as as we go along.
1: Nice. BJ Ojolari. Let me ask you then Will Anderson, you know, it's it's kind of like him and Jalen Carter, you know, the, the big defensive lineman. To me, they're one A and one B there in that that uh you know top two slots. Um I've I've definitely got Tyree Wilson. Um, they're at the number seven prospect. I got him a tier two talent on my board. And then I've got Miles Murphy at number three. Um, of course, that's number 12 overall, and he's a tier three prospect. So I've got three, the top three edge defenders all being in different tiers. Again, very different tiers than what most people do. But tell me, what is it you like about B.J. Ojolari, man? Because that's one that, that kinda, kind of kind uh, of blindsided me there. That's awesome.
2: So, yeah, so this is where I think it's is good about the draft. Like if you're the Packers, this guy's probably not going to be high on your board uh, because he is more legitimate, like three, four outside linebacker, like true pass rushing, like might be more of the Jack type in a defense where you're probably not going to ask him to be the front side run defender or the strong side defensive end, depending on what you're going to call it, right? Mm-hmm. Like a Murphy or a Wilson or even an Anderson. But if you let this guy tee off as a rusher, his ability to dip he can dip under a table i'm convinced if you asked him to corner and <laughs> run under a table i'm pretty sure he could cuz he can get that flat to get under contact his ghost move like he has a lot of the same i would say movement skills burst bend you know the change of direction skills that david ojabo had last year he's just a little bit smaller um doesn't have as long of arms but you know when you're talking about spin move you know you're dipping you're working inside like he has a phenomenal array of moves and the movement skills functionally to go along with those to the point where like, like I said, he's going to be a little bit like undersized for the Packers, but for teams that we have to have a rush end, our backside pursuit end, like all of these, he's going to f- check all of those boxes. And I think he can come in and I think deliver, you know, seven, eight sacks as a rookie, which is wow. in today's NFL is not, not an easy thing to do, but when you're not asking him to, you know, set a strong edge and you're just asking him to get after quarterbacks, he's going to do that at a high level.
1: Yeah, and, and that's kind of how Rashawn Gary felt there in the early years. He would come in and spell those guys a little bit, right? And it wasn't like they were asking him to do anything in crucial situations. He might be one of those uh, kind of bullpen players, bring him in, give a guy a break, and let him just get after the QB. That's good stuff, man. That's exciting. Uh, again, that position, very similar to offensive tackle. When you talk about you got Preston Smith. Of course, Rashawn Gary is probably going to miss the first half of the season. I think we all feel pretty comfortable thinking that. Um, but you've got Enigbare who came in, and I felt like he held his own last year. I think they said he had three sacks. was the first time that a rookie defender had done that for the Packers since 2013, I believe. So if you were to draft someone like Ojalari and, and the prediction be true, and you come out and get six, seven, eight sacks, man, that's uh, – a That's historic type stuff. That is awesome. Um, And the thing thing that I was getting at there is, let's say Rashawn Gary comes back halfway through the season. The thought of having Rashawn Gary and then either Ojalari and Preston Smith fighting for that number two edge defender, and then, of course, having Enigbare to come in and kind of spell those guys. Man, all of a sudden you take a position that might be perceived as not necessarily a weakness, but not a huge strong point, and you could flip that into a strong point. That's exciting. And again, that being, in my opinion, a tier one position on the defensive side of the ball, that could be huge. So those I are...
2: A caveat really quick because i think i will say i think the packers are going to their board's going to look more like yours i mm. think they're going to have murphy rated very highly i think they're also going to have van ness rated very highly i think both yeah. of those guys fit their bill as the type of player like enigbare who are good pass rushers mm-hmm. high pass rush win rate but also you know are strong enough and long enough to handle you know setting a strong edge so i do think Ojolari might not be quite their speed as early as he might go, but I think that like guys like Murphy, like you mentioned as your number three guy, and Van Ness are going to be players. They will, they will probably covet a little bit more.
1: Absolutely. I've got Van Ness as my 19th best prospect. He's a okay. tier four prospect and what's cool is um you know these three edge defenders we just talked about number two number seven number 12 for me will anderson um tyree wilson miles murphy and the i never had an opportunity to draft any of those guys it was always van ness that kind of fell and i'm like you know what i would be okay with that pick good stuff so so this i mean to me correct me if i'm wrong jake but this kind of feels like this is a pretty good edge defender class isn't it
2: yeah, I, I think so. I think you're going to see, and, and it might, like, the, the edge rushers in general, are. it's going to be a freak show uh, at the Combine. There are tons of guys. I, I think Murphy has been talked about as a high-level athlete. He looks at Wilson. Van Ness is supposed to test well. Uh, Will McDonald, who's a little bit more of the pass rushing you know, mold, is going to test out of his mind. I, I've heard as well he's going <laughs> to jump, like, over 40 for an edge rush. That's just stupid. So, yeah, I think – when you look at like the athletes at the position and the production that's there, like this is a really high level group that I think yeah. the Packers should, you know, tap into. It, I think of the first three rounds, if if the value is right for them, absolutely,
1: absolutely, good stuff. Well, let's move on to what I consider a tier two position, and that's the safety position. We need us a we need a free safety, Jake. We need somebody patrolling center field, and I, I've got to be real with you, man. When I broke these safeties down, I said outside of Branch, this gets kind of scarce. Maybe you disagree. I'm hoping you do. But uh, the way mine lay out here is number 16 overall, uh, Brian Branch, and then we've got Antonio Johnson, number 36, and then Sidney Brown, number 68. Now, you may have a corner that you might deem a safety, uh, but that's kind of how I had them lay out. And, again, your information, I'm sure, is way more accurate than mine. How do you feel about the
2: safeties? Who are your top three safeties? I wouldn't guarantee my information is more accurate, per se. But I, I, um, I'll um, i say Branch is my number one. Um, I actually have Sidney Brown at three as well. Uh, but my number two is Christopher Smith from Georgia. This is one of my favorite players in the entire class. Uh, this is a guy I will definitely be parading around uh, for the next two months, hoping the Packers draft this guy. No doubt about nice. it.
1: Nice, nice. Could you imagine? They take Chris Smith, right? And uh now you've got Devontae Wyatt on the defensive line, you've got Quay Walker
2: at linebacker, and then to have Christopher Smith patrolling free safety. I mean, that would be pretty wild, right? Are Packers fans tired of Georgia guys getting drafted by the <laughs> Packers? I'm just wondering because like there's like a, a very clear scenario of like Broderick Jones, Darnell Washington, Christopher Smith, all Georgia in the first three rounds that like wouldn't feel out of place at all. And I'm wondering if Packer fans are kind of tired of it. I hope they're not, because they're yeah turn out NFL talent at a high level like
1: absolutely yeah they are they've kind of it it's funny watching watching them kind of emerge right and and I don't feel like it has anything to do with the uh the NIL stuff right or what, what's it called? Yeah, I think I said that right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. with the college players are actually getting compensated now. I don't think it has anything to do with that. I feel like that program was kind of the foundation was put in place before all that hit. Um, we'll see if it if it you know holds up for sure. But man, there are a ton of Georgia yeah, players yeah. coming in this league. It's crazy. Yes. Um yeah. All right, let's move on to another tier tier two position, and that's a wide receiver on the offensive side of the ball. Who are your top three wide receivers? And and just guys, keep in mind listening to the pod here. Think of Christian Watson, think of Romeo Dobbs. Right, you've got these guys on the field. Let's say, let's say that Alan Lazard tests the market, he comes back and we get him for a steal because the market wasn't there. I doubt it. Let's say that happens, right? Who would you see, Jake, that we could add and, and you know, give me your top three wide receivers in this year's draft that you could go, Man, how could they really, really play a role in the Packers offense considering what's
2: already in place? Um, okay, yeah, so. My top three receivers, uh, regardless of like uh, scheme fit or team preferences, uh, my number one is actually Jordan Addison uh, from USC. My number two is Jackson Smith and Jigba from Ohio State. My number three is Quentin Johnston. I know people are waiting for him to <laughs> for him to be said um, as my number three. Those those I feel are are a pretty clear ish top three at the moment. I'm about I would say. 22 or 23 players deep at the position. I feel like those three are pretty clear-cut top three at the moment.
1: Gotcha. Good stuff, man. Good stuff. Well, for me, it's, it's Jordan Addison at number one as well. Um, I've got him number 13 on my board. He's a tier three talent. I've got Quentin Johnston at number two. He is the number 18 overall Uh, prospect on the board I've got him as a tier four and then uh, Jackson Smith Nijba at number 21 he's a tier five so all on separate tiers Um, again I've got Jordan Addison Quentin Johnston and then uh, Njigba so I would be happy with with all three of those really when you talk about scheme fit is there one of those three that you go because and the reason I ask this is because number 13 you could climb up and grab you know, someone at number 13, obviously 18's in your wheel zone at at number 15 pick. And then of course, number 21 on my board in Nijba. Is there anyone there that you go, that seems to match the metrics, the scheme. It just seems like that's the Packers best
2: fit. As long as he runs okay. And I think he will. I think we're looking at a four, five, two ish for him. I don't think it's going to be blazing per se, but I do think Ohio State is going to train him up pretty well, I think. Jackson Smith and Jigba fits the Packers so well because you have your kind of, and he even exceeded my expectations a ton. Christian Watson maybe looks stupid, ranking him so low already uh, in his first season. We'd love to see see that though. We'd love to see that. Uh, You know, you put him at your number one. You believe he can be an X. You can believe he can eviscerate press coverage because he's that big and that fast. Great. Uh, Romeo Dobbs, I think is. I think the range of outcomes for him are strong two or strong three. I think you could – anywhere landing in there. I think if he develops into a strong two, awesome. If he doesn't, you've got a really, really good three in your room. Smith and Jigba either is A, going to be like this insanely good power slot for the Packers or is going to be interchangeable with Dobbs into the Z and slot where you're going to be able to take advantage of a lot of things. And I would be really excited about that because I think Smith and Jigba is just – phenomenal in all three phases of playing the position he just isn't explosive or fast and that's where people are like ah that stinks i I don't like that but it's like (laughs) when you can attack leverage and when you can win with throttle control win with pace as a receiver get open as a route runner separate yourself with a catch point i think he does a great job doing that that's underrated great hands and he can make adjustments to the football good tracker the football he's just not downfield enough to show you that he can track the football (laughs) well Um, and then be just an absolute nightmare post-catch. Like, catch-to-attack transitions, incredible, can make the first man miss, has creative feet in space, has a good stiff arm, and good fluid movement skills where he can decimate you post-catch. So he's great in all those facets. He also blocks well, and that's what the Packers are going to want. They're going to want somebody who can block their butt off as, as well as a receiver. To have Smith and Jigba as a slot and a Z to interchange with Dobbs feels like a perfect fit for the Packers. I just hope he is good enough in the testing department to stay on the Packers radar.
1: Absolutely. And, you know, one of the things that Greg Cosell talked about, and I've heard other people talk about it, is players that play with balance. And that's what I see with, with It's he, he never looks like he's, he's, he's running, you know, outside of his control. He's always got great balance. Um, great body control, like you said, lean everything. Um, Mike Wall talked about it on the pod. We had him as a guest, you know, the former Packers offensive lineman. He said, you know, how you get to confrontation, whether you're on offense or defense, determines how you handle confrontation. And some players just can't play with that balance. I think he's he's one of those three that's like, man, he he looks like he he fits on a football field. He's confident, and he's uh, he plays under control, which is really, really uh, – I think it's very underrated. Um, as we let you go here, I know we're out of time, and I really appreciate you carving out time, J.K. Yeah, world absolutely. Uh, some people are going, Clayton, you have pounded the table for Michael Mayer this entire offseason, and you didn't even talk about tied in. Um, for me, it's Kincaid. And then mayor slightly Kincaid over mayor. But me being a Notre Dame fan as well, it's like, man, give me Michael Mayer all day long. Um, if they were to go tight end, what's the one tight end that you go? That's the one.
2: Oh man, this is oh, it's tough because the class is loaded. Uh, and they really are that's man. what's really awesome. That like at least this part, like, not as much safety, right? But tight end being loaded lines up with what the Packers need. And Oh, man, because it, it's such different types. Like I want the Packers like so bad to be able to like if it's an Aaron Rodgers trade and if you have so much capital in this draft to find a way to get like a, a mayor type and a Kincaid type both. Oh, man, for me, <laughs> man, this is a tough. It's tough, man. It's so tough because I really man. I would. OK, I'll I'll go. I'll go a little off book. I, I want I want Darnell Washington in in green gold. I really do. I just want like somebody who's just that much bigger than everybody. He's going to be lining up against say for edge rushers. But even then it's like, he might just actually be bigger than them too. Uh, Just be the run game force multiplier, be a third tackle out there in every play. Uh, He can, he can give you the opportunity to run and run successfully from even 11 personnel when he's out there. That's, I think how like dominant of a blocker he is. Um, He sometimes looks a little clunky as a mover springy Uh, other times. Like it it looks a little inconsistent, right? But another thing about him, red zone threat, like he, it looks like he just shrugs off, like spear hits, like from safeties, like, like nothing hit him. Like he's just that big. And again, Packers struggled in the red zone a ton this past year. They couldn't figure out. There's just the, the secret sauce. Wasn't there in the red zone. Get a guy who can just go up and win the ball. Like What's a what's a what's a six foot like 200 safe pound safety going to do one on one (laughs) against this guy? Nothing, nothing. Just throw it high enough. Right. And he's going to win. So like that player in uh, the Packers offense just brings a smile to my face. I'd be so giddy if they had him like just just eviscerating safeties and linebackers as a blocker and then just just winning the catch point every time he's getting the ball.
1: That's awesome, Georgia dominating, man. It's we yeah. we can't get through one position without mentioning Georgia. That's amazing, can't. <laughs> amazing. Jake, thank you so much for your time. Everybody listening, check him out on Twitter at Jake NFL and his podcast right here on the Packernet Podcast Network. Is it's always draft season. Jake, thank you so much for your time, man. We really appreciate it, bro. Yeah, thank you so much. It was it was a blast. All right, take care, pal. Thanks. All right, so let's move on to the next segment here. What I'm going to do, and uh, again, Jake is the best at what he does, man. He's going to play humble, I promise you that. Um, but the guy, he—I've already learned so much just listening to his podcast and just, you know, just kind of hanging out with him uh, a little bit um, in Discord chat and other places. When when Jake talks, I shut up and listen because the guy knows exactly what he's talking about when it comes to the draft. So, um, all right, what we're going to do now, guys, I'm going to go ahead and turn this camera off so I don't have to stare at my ugly mug the rest of the show. And um, we're going to take a quick commercial break, pay a few bills, and when we get back, we're going to talk about Brian Gudikins and some of the comments that he made uh, earlier today. If you guys are listening to this on Wednesday, it'll be going live a little bit later on Tuesday. We were trying to hold off and see if uh, Aaron Rodgers, uh, you know, Surprised us with an announcement. You guys know I I kind of wasn't expecting it today. Um, But if you're listening to this on Wednesday afternoon, Brian Gudekins' comments actually happened on Tuesday. So, with that being said, we're going to take a quick commercial break. When we get back, we'll kind of uh, break down what he had to say, see if there's any tips in there, any hints as to what they may be thinking at the quarterback position. But we will be right back.
0: We all have smartphones and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. About seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get ten percent off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com/slash-packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer! Ten percent off a four hundred dollars slab pack—that's forty bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com/slash-packdaddy for ten percent off your first purchase.
1: All right, so Brian Kudikins, uh, like I said earlier today, uh, met with the local Green Bay media, right? And we're just going to kind of jump right into it and play one of the soundbites. I got this off of Twitter, uh, Rob Domofsky's Twitter page, right? And um, this is Brian Gudikins just just kind of chatting with the media. And, you know, I, I've got to be honest, this whole entire time, I've been one that, man, the media is reading too much into this. The, the, the fans are reading too much into this. Guys, he didn't really say anything. This one felt a little bit different. I'm not going to lie. Like, you know, I I still believe there's a 60% chance Aaron Rodgers comes back and plays for the Packers. I think there's like, you know, a 40% chance Aaron Rodgers retires. And I think there's about a 10% chance that Aaron Rodgers could be traded. That's kind of where I've been. And when you listen to Goody talk, though, it's like, man, it, it kind of feels like there may have been comments behind the scenes you know, conversations where it's like, you know, I don't want to, let's do this. Let's, I'm trying to think of the right way to say this before I play his comments. Um, Before I watched this video and I listened to that press conference there with the local Green Bay media uh, going into the combine. Before that, I kind of looked at it like, this is Roger's decision, right? This is, hey, if you want to come back and play for us, great. And and what I mean by that is I kind of felt like they were going to cater to what he wanted, right? And you guys know I personally believe that Aaron Rodgers is worth that. I mean, a four-time MVP, Super Bowl-winning quarterback. You know, had a down year. Yes, I personally think it, it's not a coincidence that he had a, a broken thumb on his throwing hand. You guys are tired of hearing me mention that. Um, but I kind of felt like you know if if Aaron wants to come back, they'll do what it, what they want to. This this kind of felt to me as if it was the opposite, almost as if Aaron told him, hey, look, you know, I want my guys back if I do come back. And it almost feels like Brian Gudikins is like, well, you know, you're not going to get them all back. He didn't say that in this interview here, and it's just a 30-second clip. But the demeanor kind of comes across like, yeah, of course we want Aaron back, but is it a fit? It's almost like, hey, bub, we're still in control here. We're going to build this roster the way we want to, and if you want to come back, great. If not, we're not going to completely revamp the future of the roster just because you want certain guys back. Now you guys know when it comes to Mercedes Lewis, right? When it comes to some of these other players that he's mentioned by name, Alan Lazard at the right price, nowhere near the 15 million that he thinks he's, he's, he's worth. And, and and if he gets it on the market, then guess what? He is worth it. But, With that being said, you don't want to overpay for him, but I I would be cool with having Alan Lazard back. I think he would be a solid number two and probably the best number three in the entire National Football League. Same thing with Cobb. Cobb graded out as their second-best wide receiver last year, right? And, you know, him grading out as their second-best wide receiver. Can he be a number three or a number four receiver on this roster for for pennies on the dollar if Rodgers wants him back? Absolutely. So I'm I'm not going against that, but I think they are kind of looking at it like, hey, look, you know, it's almost like Goody's like, your friends probably will be coming back. Maybe not all of them, but Bakhtiari's going to be back. kind of feel good about that now. He was bragging on Mason Crosby and, and the fact that the reason he lost some leg strength last year is because of a surgery and he thinks he's going to recover and and be just as good as he ever was. Right? There's just so many different things that come into factor. And, and It's like if Aaron is so hung up on wanting to play with certain players, if he goes somewhere else, he's definitely not going to play with all of those players. We're going to have about half of them and Probably a quarter of them might go to the same team if Aaron goes there, and then the other quarter is going to go somewhere else. It's going to pay him more money, so it's not like he's going to get what he wants in another team, right? And and I, I want to preface this that I think a lot of that has been overblown. I really do. I heard Aaron's comments, and I didn't feel like he was putting an ultimatum going, hey, look, either bring my guys back or I'm quitting. I didn't take it that way at all. I think what he was saying, though, is if I am going to be out there, man, I want to be alongside people like Mercedes Lewis and David Batiari and Bob Tunyon and Alan Lazard and Randall Cobb, you know, just kind of plugging his guys. But with that being said, let's do this. Let's listen to Goody here real quick. Again, this came from Rob Demosky. His tweet says a little bit from Packers GM Brian Gutekunst with the Packers media. He's heading to the national interview room next at the combine. More on ESPN to come. But here it is the uh, soundbot. Let's see what he had to say.
2: Uh, Really no updates. You know, again, I think uh, like I was talking earlier, um, haven't had the conversations that we need to have yet. So really, really no update. Um, But looking forward here to being an ND and and looking at these prospects and trying to help this football team. Yeah, there's been some contact back and forth. Um, Obviously, he's he's had some things on his plate, uh, but hopefully those things will happen soon. Do you want him back as the quarterback of Packers? Yeah, I think, you know, those discussions have to happen and making sure that it's the right fit. But um, obviously, we know the kind of player that Aaron is. And um, you know, once we have those conversations, we'll, we'll be able to move forward we'll a lot more to say. I think, I'm going to loop it one more time. Yeah, I think you know, the, those discussions have to happen and making sure that it's the right fit. But um, obviously we know the kind of player that is the quarterback of Yeah, I think you know the, those discussions have to happen and making sure that it's the right fit. But um, obviously we know the kind of player that Aaron is. And um, you know, once we have those conversations, we'll, we'll be able to move forward we'll a lot more to say.
1: You like that, didn't you, on loop? Back into the left. That's what that reminded me of the old JFK movie, right? Back into the left is a Pruder film. Nah, but it, isn't it funny? You get into the offseason and foot, there's no football being played on Sunday, right? Other than the XFL, which I'll be honest with you, man, I've really enjoyed. I know I'm going to enjoy um, the spring ball as well there with the USFL or whatever it's called now. It seems like the names change so often I can't keep up, but any football is better than no football. But isn't it funny? You start, we're sitting here breaking down voice inflection from the general manager of the green bay packers because there's no football today (laughs) that's where we're at but again it just seemed a little bit different to me right and obviously uh, they asked about aaron Rodgers, right and that's what provoked the comments and just a couple couple keynotes here when it comes to that right what did he say yeah there's really no updates there that's what he said there's really no updates now what's that what's what does that mean You know, there's no update. So it means Aaron hasn't made his decision. I don't think anything's changed this whole time. It's once Aaron makes his decision, then it turns into, okay, let's rework the deal. And then once the deal is reworked, it's, okay, even before the deal is reworked, it's here's the angle we're going with our roster. And if he doesn't like that and he demands a trade, Uh, Maybe you rework the deal for the trade. Maybe you rework the deal when he comes back. I am one that I tend to think that the only reason you would rework the deal, in my opinion, is to somehow try to remove the deadline aspect of that guaranteed money hitting, right? Now, there's a slight chance that reworking the deal, quote unquote, reworking the deal means uh, give a little bit back as far as the guaranteed and uh, and save the Packers a little bit of money. I think there's a slight chance for that. I think anyone who says he is or is not doing that is just being dishonest and they don't know for sure. So I definitely don't want to fall into that camp. It's just all speculation at this point. But they asked Brian Gutekunst, do you want him back? And he said, yeah, th- those discussions have to happen. That's that's a very odd way to answer that question. Do you want him back? He said those discussions have to happen. But then he went on and said, we know what kind of player Aaron is and it's just got to be a fit. Right. So I think the fit aspect comes down to two things, gang. One, are you willing to accept the roster we're putting together? Because if you're going to get get you know butt hurt over the fact that we had to let two or three of those guys go and we couldn't bring them all back, then probably not going to be a fit. And also, are you willing willing to rework the deal to make it a fit? Now, so many people are going, "Why would he do that? Why, why did they even sign into the contract last year, guys?" This whole time, I've been screaming, screaming. The details and the optional aspect of this contract, nobody truly knows. Nobody truly knows how much of that option can be waived. Nobody truly knows how much it can be adjusted. Nobody truly knew um, exactly what was going to happen if Aaron was traded or cut Right until here recently, and we started talking about this $15 million cap hit deal where if the Packers were to trade him, and or cut him or if he retired I should say not cut if Aaron retires you're going to get 15 million um it's just going to be a 15 million dollar cap hit as opposed to you know the inflated number that we're looking at um so there's a lot of things that come into play man there really is but that those discussions have to happen i think it comes down to those two uh the the two dynamics there and the roster and the contract is going to determine whether or not it's a true fit and i've got to say this You guys know I'm a big Aaron Rodgers fan. Um, I'm I'm a Packer fan, first and foremost. If Brian Gutekind's announced right now while I was live and it came across the ticker, we're trading Aaron Rodgers, I would say, all right, Jordan Love is starting. Let's get it. Let's go. Let's get behind number 10. I'm a Packer fan, first and foremost. I just don't buy into and or appreciate when people blatantly lie about A specific player, as if he just fell off a cliff, without mentioning the injury, without mentioning the tackles being rotated in and out constantly because of the two knee injuries, all of which are not the player's fault, not Brian Gutekunst's fault, not darn sure, not Aaron Rodgers' fault. You know, the receiving core leading the league in in drop passes, all those things come into play, right? All I'm saying is, call a spade a spade. If you see it, you got to say it. And you can't just lean on one narrative because you don't like the guy or because you just want to see what Jordan Love has or you want to, quote-unquote, turn the page, right? All those things, all, all those sayings that everybody use. And it's, you know, everybody wants the same thing as Packer fans. We want the Packers, the Green Bay Packers, to do great. We want them to compete for another decade or two, right? Um, I, that's what we want the most. It's just some of us have a different vision of how we're going to get there, Right. Uh, The thing that irks me the most, and you guys know it, is when people pretend like the salary cap is this big, huge, dark cloud that's going to ruin everything if it doesn't fall into place perfectly. That's just not the case. The salary cap is not fake. It's very real. It can be manipulated more than our Congress. Okay, (laughs) But the thing that really, really applies when it comes to the salary cap is it's very date sensitive. And we've got a date coming up here, March fifteenth, when the new league year starts, and that's where everything is going to come to a head. Now, let's move on to Matt Schnaubin on Twitter. He tweeted out a couple of Cliff notes, right? Just kind of some stuff that he talked about um, that Brian Gutekunst points he made. They're not some of them are not direct quotes, but I'm just going to kind of run through the points as we get ready to wrap up here. He said uh, Aaron Rodgers has not told the Packers his plan. That's one point, right? Another point is Gudikins hasn't spoken with him in length since the end of the season, just a little bit here or there. Um, Quote, until we have those conversations, I think all options are on the table right now. That's something else Gudikins said. So until we have those conversations, I think all options are on the table right now. So until he sits down and talks with Aaron and Aaron says, I want to be traded, I want to come back or I want to retire, all three of those options are on the table. Nothing big there, right? But again, we're just going to cover this real quick. Um, he also said Gudikins wants a resolution with Rogers' situation before free agency starts on March 15th. We've said it all along. There were some people we weren't even out of the wild card round yet, and they were saying that Aaron Rodgers was holding the Packers hostage. And it's just absolutely silly. And, and most of those people were in the media. It's going to happen every year. No, it ain't. Like, this is totally different. The last podcast, the last episode, I broke down the difference between the Favre – uh, you know, severing ties with the Packers and Aaron Rodgers coming to the end of his run here, whether it's in the NFL altogether or the Packers um, and moving on to another team. It's, it's very, very different. But again, um, another thing he said, and this is a note from Matt Schneiman. I'm assuming that Brian Gutekind's pretty much said this word for word, and this is not being taken out of context or manipulated by um, Matt Schneiman. But he said Rodgers contract will be restructured if he returns, Gutekind said. Now, when he says if he returns, that sounds like if he returns to the Packers, does it not? Now, you heard other people say all year long, oh, no, you can't do anything about the contract. It's set in stone. It was a bad move, and you can't convince me otherwise, and there ain't a damn thing the Packers can do about it, right? And now here Goody's saying that Rodgers' contract will be restructured if he returns. Now, if he said Rogers contract contract will be restructured if he plays this year, Right. Then I'd be like, oh, that kind of sounds like maybe they're going to restructure it to trade. him." But if he returns, where's he returning to? I mean, I guess you could say the NFL. But for me, that that seems like and we're splitting hairs here. I get it. Seems like he's talking about returning to the Packers. So the my best case scenario, I'm trying not to laugh here, but there's been so many people hate on Aaron Rodgers that my best case scenario, maybe I'm just a little too petty. I would give anything. Not anything. I would give a whole lot if Aaron Rodgers redid his contract and made it even more of a team-friendly deal. Because it's funny, we broke it down: salary cap hit. He's never been the highest cap hit in the league. Well, the cap hit don't care, don't matter. It's just the cash. I sent out a tweet and said, okay, since the cap hit don't matter, look at the cash collected over since 2019. You know, he won back-to-back MVPs, right, in 21 and or in 20 and 21. So from 19 to 20. 21 and 22, Aaron Rodgers was like eighth on the quarterback list in cash that he has made. So which is it? The cap hit doesn't matter. The cash does. You show that the cash number is down, right? Now, all of a sudden, the cash number don't matter. Well, that can be manipulated. Okay, so there is no answer. Aaron Rodgers is just a bad person. He's selfish, and he took all the money. Got it. Okay. (laughs) I don't know what else to say there. But if he were to come back, and restructure this contract where it's even more team friendly. And I'm going to continue to say that because in my opinion, it is very, very team friendly seeing that he could have absolutely broke the bank after winning back to back MVPs. Right. I mean, he could he could have had the highest cap hit, the highest average per year. They won't talk about the average per year because it was just a three year extension, 150 million guarantee. And that's all that matters. Fifty million dollar contract. Couldn't tell you how many fans reached out to me and said, Man, thank you for pointing out that his cap hit wasn't $50 million because I really thought it was because that's how they perceived it. Right. But if he takes a team friendly deal and comes back, there are some people's heads are going to explode that hate Aaron Rodgers (laughs) because it's going to take, it's going to completely destroy that narrative. Now, another thing that it does, if it can be restructured in a way that it saves on cap, and I'm not saying it can again. All I'm saying is no one truly knows the optional aspect of this contract. I've said it all along. If he were to do that and it saves a little more money and you re-sign, let's say he says, I'm coming back for one more year. They redo the deal. They come out with a little bit of a discount, right? And then they sign Jordan Love to that four-year extension we were talking about. And then bang in 2024, it hits the cap. You're going to tack on more years, which is exactly what Ian Rappaport said when this contract originally broke. He said it was a, creative way for Russ Ball, Brian Gutekins and Aaron Rodgers to come to terms to keep him in Green Bay so he could retire as a Packer. And he then he went on to say you can tack on as many as 5 years on the backside and spread that guaranteed money cap hit out that actually flowed over from his previous contract, right? That's the thing that seems most logical for me. Rework the deal to minimize the hit as much as possible. Aaron says I'm back for one more year and then you re-sign Jordan Love to a four-year extension. That way Jordan Love isn't ticked off and wanting to trade. He sits for one more year. Who knows? Maybe Aaron Rodgers gets hurt. Jordan Love steps in. He's a starting quarterback. There's a, a ton of different things that could unfold. But I do know this, man. I am very, very excited to see how everything plays out because the one thing that really has me fired up – and I tweeted this out. I know I know, Brian Gutekind isn't going to go on the record and say – um that jordan love isn't the guy right of course he's not going to do that if he wants to trade jordan love that would diminish his trade value right if he says that out in open then it tells jordan love it takes jordan love off and they they don't think i could play at this level then he demands a trade there right he's not going to come out and negatively bash any player on his roster no gm does that that has any has two brain cells to rub together right but i came away from goody's comments when they asked him can he play do you think Jordan Love can play? He said, I absolutely think he can be a starting quarterback. He said, the the thing that he came across, he is 100% comfortable with Jordan Love being QB1 in Green Bay. And he convinced me. It wasn't just coach speak. It wasn't just front office speak. I felt it, and I believe it. I believe Gudikins is being 100% honest, just like, in my opinion, he's probably the most honest GM in the entire league. You never catch the guy being you know, BS in anybody, and it seems like he has a great – working relationship with the other general managers, which is a huge, huge asset this time of the year when you're looking to have multiple trade partners when you're sitting at that 15 spot with potentially a top-tier talent falling in your lap or being just out of reach where you want to trade up for him or potentially trading back because you missed out on the top tier and you don't want to reach on the next one, right? And you can maximize your draft compensation. But I think that they're comfortable with Jordan Love. I think we've got QB1, the next QB1 in-house. Now, three things are one of three things are going to happen, guys. Aaron Rodgers is going to return and play quarterback for the Green Bay Packers. Aaron Rodgers is going to be traded and play for somebody else, or Aaron Rodgers is going to retire. But I truly believe that Jordan Love is going to be on this roster moving forward, and he is the quarterback of the future. Think of the jump start he has, already knowing this offense, already knowing the terminology. Although some people would suggest the offense is going to completely change when Aaron Rodgers leaves, which cracks me the hell up. I don't know. I don't know what they're doing on Madden with custom playbooks, but they've somehow beaten to their head that this thing is going to completely change when Aaron leaves. It's not the case. I think Jordan won't have as much freedom at the line of scrimmage. Absolutely. That goes without saying, right? I think he will have freedom, but he probably won't lean on it as much as Aaron Rodgers, right? He'll probably defer to the original play call or not can out of plays as often. Um, But I'm excited, man. I think it's going to be be a lot of fun to see how all this unfolds for sure. So, um, all right, as we get ready to wrap up here, again, I just want to give you guys kind of an update there. No news from Aaron Rodgers. It is what it is. But we're going to do this as we wrap up. We're going to read a text that came in from a listener. And uh, we've got people from all over the world, all over the country, which is really, really cool. Uh, This one comes in and he says, uh, This is Chuck from Everett, Washington. Question, sir. Who is the best Packer? to wear the number 83 and why is the answer <laughs> Tom Crabtree? Tom Crabtree, man. Oh, I love it. Brings back so many cool memories because there were so many players on the roster that uh that played, you know, an intricate intricate role in the Packers being good for so long, right? And and even that Super Bowl year there was many of them that come to mind, but the one thing that comes to mind when it comes to to Tom Crabtree is that fake field goal touchdown? So why don't we take a second and relive that Chuck from Everett Washington? Appreciate you taking time to message us, man. But let's uh, let's go back. This was a game against the Chicago Bears. It was in the second quarter, 156 left in the second quarter. And Green Bay's leading Chicago three to nothing. You're inside the middle late. You guys know how I feel about this. You're lining up for a field goal. So you potentially will lead the middle late three to nothing if you hit this field goal. Coming out of halftime, you'd be winning the middle late three to nothing. Instead, this is what happens. Let's go. Let's go and uh and get a glimpse of it here.
0: He'll try to tack three more on here from forty-five yards out. Mass day to hold, and it's a fake, and it's inside to the tight end. Touchdown, Green Bay.
1: you gotta love it, man. That I will never forget watching that play. It was so awesome. So awesome. So they line up, right? They're they're just going to tack another three on, going into halftime, regroup, and come out the other side, try to win a ball game against the Bears, right? And what happens? I mean, Tom Crabtree, they literally run a fake field goal, and Crabtree pulls. They toss the ball. Tim Mastay, the holder. They snap it to the holder, tosses it forward to Tom Crabtree. You guys got to find this on on YouTube. It's there to watch. It's in any Tom Crabtree highlight reel. It only lasts about two minutes, but, man, that one's in there. I promise you. Quick toss up the middle. you got a couple offensive linemen pulling, and here you got the big boy Tom Crabtree out on a sweet play with two pulling linemen. Toss play from Tim Mastay. I think technically it would have been a shovel pass, which means it would have been a forward pass for Tim Mastay, racking up the fantasy points that week. Tom Crabtree, man, he was just a gritty player, you know, and and I, I love watching him on any stream. You know, he's he's fairly vocal and stuff on Twitter and everything. The, the guy, I love his opinions. I think he's very passionate. He obviously loves the Green Bay Packers and enjoyed his time there, and he's just a gritty football player. Man, he, it reminds me of Ray Nitschke, and, and I'm just going to say it. You know, Ray Nitschke was not an attractive man. Ray Nitschke was mean, and he looked mean. Tom Crabtree's the same way, man. And I was taught at an early age, man, you don't you don't mess with ugly people. You don't pick a fight with ugly people because they got nothing to lose. They'll lay it all on the line. <laughs> if that grill's already smashed up, they don't care. They don't – I don't give a crap. Tom Crabtree, man, he just looks like a freaking football player. And he just looks like he can knock somebody's head off. And one of those players that was fun to watch, I know Aaron liked him as a young player, really, really enjoyed playing with him. Um, players like that, it's, it's kind of like – the listener the other day messaged or emailed. I can't remember who it was. I I apologize. I forget now. We've had so much communication with you guys, which is, it's just been absolutely awesome. They were talking about, you know, some of the greatest moments as Packer fans came in non-championship years. So why be negative? Why be so, if you're going to be miserable about every negative thing and argue with your fellow Packer fans about every single snap, why make yourself miserable? But, you know, some of those, Plays that didn't, didn't you know, lead to a championship year or even lead to a, you know, even even to a win in some cases or some of our best memories, you know. And, and the players, it goes no different. Tom Crabtree's one of those players, man. You know, Spencer Havner. You guys remember Spencer Havner? He's one of those guys that I think he caught just maybe two or three touchdowns one season. But I remember it was like, who is this guy coming out of camp, makes the roster? Maybe he made the practice squad, got caught up and caught a couple tuds there during the season. Spencer freaking Havner. The Super Bowl run year, Frank Zombo, right? Frank Zombo lining up, uh, uh you know, uh, a significant amount of snaps opposite Clay Matthews and making a big difference. If I remember correctly, he sacked Ben Roethlisberger in the in the Super Bowl that year, right? Frank freaking Zombo putting in work. Um, Kenny Pickett's another one. Kenny Pickett was a free agent uh, signing there by uh, by Ted Thompson. You know, Kenny Pickett ain't going to make the Hall of Fame. He probably ain't going to make the Packer Hall of Fame, but that was a key signing and played a huge role. And the Packers winning the Super Bowl that year—the Spillit spill it, it, Spillit play, right? With Clay Matthews, um, just just people like that that you know they don't they don't get enough praise sung for them in the role they played and bringing us great moments. You know Howard Green, big Howard Green, key signing. Uh, Aaron Rodgers has talked about that multiple times. That that's probably one of if not the most important signings that they made that year was putting that big body Howard Green right there in the middle on that defensive line. It, it's it was. Exactly what you needed to help BJ Raji anchor that 34 defense under Dom Capers, especially in stopping the run. Just a lot of fun, man. We got to learn to appreciate things when we got them. And that's that's all I'm trying to do with Aaron Rodgers. It's one of one of the greatest quarterbacks to ever play the game. And if if a small group of fans are going to try to divide the fan base and say nasty things and try to paint Aaron Rodgers out to be this evil person that anyone who listens or follows him knows he's not. Um man, I'm I'm gonna buck on him because it's just it's just weird. It's like this is your favorite team. Why you know why would you not want them to do good? Why would you not want um the the player who obviously means the most to the franchise right now, why would you not want to get behind them? Right. And they say the same thing happened with Favre. I, I guess I was on the opposite side of the fence when Favre left, but it was because I knew about the tampering. I knew he was talking to the the coaching staff in Minnesota, right? Anyone who was willing to listen and not just be a fanboy of number four, which I was for so many freaking years, um, then you could see that he was wanting to go to Minnesota. And he finally weaseled his way out there. And one of my favorite moments as a Packer fan was when Brett Favre in that purple through that interception against the Saints. I celebrated more during that interception to watch him throw the Vikings' season away, right, in the playoffs. Uh, You know, I I celebrated more there than I did when the Packers won the Super Bowl. That's sad. That's petty, right? Hey, it may be petty, but I'm owning it because I enjoyed every second of that, so. With that being said, we're going to get out of here, guys. Thank you so much uh, for everybody who contributed. Uh, like I said, Chuck, thank you for the message, man. Y'all keep the text coming. Again, that number is 865-658-5824. Very, very easy for me to respond without having to top up an email. But if email is your thing, like Andy Monday, we had a great conversation through email the other day. Um, keep those coming at the email, PackersTotalAccess at gmail.com. So want to thank Jake, Shavink, Guys, do me a favor. If you're hearing my voice right now, um, and you're not following Jake Shavink, go on Twitter to at Jake NFL Draft, okay? At Capital J, A K-E, Capital N, Capital F, Capital L, Capital D, R A F T. No Spaces, no underscores or anything. At Jake NFL Draft. He is an awesome follow. Make sure you're checking out. It's always Draft Season Podcast here on the Packernet Podcast Network. Jake, again, thank you so much for your time, man. Really appreciate it. Thanks everybody's everybody who's listening. You're probably going to – most of you be downloading this on Wednesday. Hope you all have a great work day. If you get it in on Tuesday night, awesome. Again, the reason for the late pod, we waited and waited and waited just to make sure no information was going to drop on Aaron Rodgers, although I kind of feel like Goody said a lot without saying much at all. So all that, thank you guys for hanging out with us. As always, let's go out and be the change we want to see in the world. And Go Pack Go! On the
0: fake, Rodgers lets it fly. Has Watson! He's got it! On his feet, and he's in for the touchdown! That might
2: be the biggest catch this young receiver's career from Christian Watson. You can see him, it's just press, man. They talk about his speed, his ability to get behind the defense. It's just a matter of can he catch it. That's a great job tracking the ball. He just took a big sigh of relief. Look at his buddies greeting him on the sideline, man. That's got to feel good.